In this last message of our Faith Over Fear series, we're talking about the future. Now, faith over fear, that can sound trite. But my friends, it's not. If we truly learn to live in a trusting posture, trusting God as our almighty God, as our heavenly Father, it's, it's anything but trite. It's life-changing. It's, it's uh, eternity-shaping. It, it's, it changes everything. There's many things that we fear. People fear. People, people fear uh, crowds. They fear public speaking. They have fears of heights, uh, spiders, uh, snakes. Now, a couple occasions over the years, I've preached with a six-foot boa constrictor around my neck from Genesis chapter 3 about the serpent uh, tempting Adam and Eve. In my previous church, there was this uh, tough construction worker type guy who told me, Marlo, if you would have come off the stage with that snake around your neck toward me where he was sitting on the end of the row, he, he said, I would have bolted. I just wish I, I would have known that ahead of time. And then there's a fear of sharks. Uh, that's a big one. How many, I can't see your hands raised, but how many of you love Shark Week, but you would never swim with sharks? Well, you're not alone. Uh, after Shark Week, when I'm behind the ski boat and waiting for the driver to tighten up the rope, I, in my head I'm going, hurry up, hurry up, kind of looking around in a lake. Um, Brennan and I, my son, we were in a shark cage about 12 years ago off the north shore of Hawaii. Sharks all around. It was, it was awesome. It was incredible. Um, but take away the shark cage and leave me in the water with still those sharks all around? I don't know about that. Last month on Discovery Channel's Shark Week, uh, there was an episode where actor Will Smith took a huge step to face his fear of sharks and, in fact, his fear of the ocean, childhood fear, uh, head on. And, and he did. His goal was to not run from his fear anymore. So, very commendable. Uh, Smith said something insightful. He said, I started to realize how poisonous fear can be because it steals your ability to enjoy life. He said, don't get me wrong, danger is real, but fear is a choice. Interesting and profound statement, really, it's true. In that same episode, a neuropsychologist made this comment, the reason that the fear of the unknown is so uh, common is because it makes us feel out of control. And when humans feel out of control, they fear the possibility of not being able to handle the situation. We don't like that, not being able to handle it. There are various uh, reasons for that, but, but that's, a, that's a perfect segue into the discussion about growing in our trust of God and releasing pride in the process. In a different episode, uh, Smith and his kids uh, scuba dived, scuba dove. Uh, they went in the ocean together, and after the dive, they were chatting on the boat together, sharing the excitement about the experience, and Smith made a comment that, again, relates to other areas of life. He said, you have to get past fear before you can even start looking around. And then he said a significant statement again. He said, fear kills your ability to see beauty. That comment, again, applicable to so many other areas of life. And I, I never set out to quote Will Smith so many times in this message, but happened upon this episode and I thought of this message. If you fear the future because it's unknown, <laughs> 
and it is, there will be much of God's beauty and gifts that you miss along the way. We, we tend to think, I, I believe, uh, that this COVID journey is so unique, but it's not the first time that the world has been shaken by circumstances that kind of rock whole societies, be it war, disease, a famine. This isn't the first time in history that people have lived with uncertainty and fear regarding the future. And for Christ followers, God's word makes it clear he does not want us to live in fear of what the future may or may not hold. Now, it's quite normal for us to want to, want to know what our future is going to look like. When our daughter Mariah was a young girl, she was sitting in the back seat of our little car and she uh, was always interested in where we were going, you know, just, just had to know. One day we're driving and I, I moved my arm up onto Miriam's seat as I, as I drove and right away I, I heard the command from the back seat. She said, Dad, put your arm down. You're blocking my future. Well, we can't know the future, but God does. And he wants to lead us into it with confidence as we rest in trusting that, that he's got us and he's in control of, of our life, our future, and our eternity. And some of you need to hear that today. You, 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 you believe it here, but you need, you need to receive it in your heart today, that message. So I want to address two areas in this message. First, future things, namely biblical end Times And some of you are going to be a bit disappointed because I'll only touch on this in a more general and, and brief way. And, and then I'll share some biblical thoughts that I believe will deposit hope and peace in your heart and help dismantle fear uh, that you may have about your future. So first of all, future things as I'm referring to it. A question has fo floated around uh, in these COVID days. Uh, it's actually a question that has been asked by believers throughout history, especially when things seem to be unraveling in the world. Uh, the question is, is this the end? Or the question is worded, are these the last days? It's an, an understandable question, but I find it interesting that way back in Acts 2.17, uh, just after Jesus had ascended back to heaven, the, the writer, Luke, uh, physician and historian, uh, who's the, uh, the author of the book of Acts in the New Testament, he pulled from a quote, uh, pulled a quote from the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Joel. And he referred in Acts 2.17 to that specific time as the last days. Hebrews 1 verse 2 says, in these last days... God has spoken to us by his son. You see, the truth is, last days refers to all of the days between when Jesus ascended back to heaven and the day that he will return again, as the Bible says he will. And, and there are a lot of days in between. Especially when you think about the, uh, the verse from 2 Peter 3 that says, one day is as a thousand years to God, and a thousand years is as one day. In other words, to God, time, as we know it, time is irrelevant. Um, time is probably even, well, non-existent in, in the true sense of how we define time. Uh, and, and that passage says that 
He keeps delaying the return of Jesus, which could happen at any time, because he's giving people in the world another opportunity to trust Christ and enter into his eternal family. Even the disciples asked this question in Matthew 24 uh, to Jesus. They, they said, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? As Bible-believing Christians, we all agree that Jesus is coming back someday. But there are a wide variety of opinions and views on exactly how and when that will happen. And that's okay. Because our view of end-time events and how it'll play out, have, it has nothing to do with our eternal salvation. We're, we're, we're eternally saved only uh, by our faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. Yet you may have met Christians like I have who, you know, are just absolutely dogmatic about how they think the end times will go and how things will roll out. I mean, they, they, they just know. Well... With the various interpretation of end times events, there will obviously be some who, uh, maybe even some who are adamant, uh, who will be wrong, and, and, and some that will have to eat humble pie right there at the kitchen table in their mansion in heaven. It's sad to me that debates about these things can sometimes take uh, so much time and energy that I, I fear that at times it becomes a distraction to the priority of uh, sharing the gospel through, through our lives and our words and our relationships. Biblically, there are some pretty wild uh, events yet to happen. I mean, read 1 Thessalonians, a little letter in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Read about what we refer to as the rapture of Christ followers from the earth. Now, that word rapture you won't see in, in uh, the New Testament, but it's a reference. It's, how, it's a word we use to describe what Paul uh, phrased as, as the believers being caught up. And it's in that passage in 1 Thessalonians 4. And, and Paul, in verse 13 of chapter 4, said he does not want believers to be ignorant about this or to be uninformed. And then he describes it in verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And then he talks about uh, the dead in Christ, Christians who have passed away. Uh, they will first rise, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. I mean, this, it's, it's mind-boggling to, to think about this. But, but God can do that kind of stuff. Maybe it's God's interest in sci-fi coming out. I, I don't know. But, but if you read the Bible and read this chapter for what it says here, that will no doubt be a, a mystifying event for those who don't know Christ and are, and are left behind and, uh, behind and, and, and really a, a sad event. That's why Christ followers are, as Jesus put it in Luke 19, we are to occupy till he returns. New King James puts it this way, do business, Jesus said, till I come, till I return. That, no, that, that wording uh, fits the parable that Jesus was telling there, but Jesus' message to, to his followers then and now is to be engaged in his gospel mission. In other words, be, be showing and sharing the good news of God's message uh, of God grace and forgiveness and eternal life through Christ. Now, some of you are aware that Bible prophecy can be a kind of a playground for fanatics at times. 
a book entitled 88 Reasons That Jesus Will Return in 1988 sold 4 million copies up to that point. I heard someone say that 30,000 more copies of that book were, were sold in 1989. I haven't verified that, but if that's true, and I don't doubt it, that's just crazy. Interesting. You see, just because there are wackos, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, doesn't nullify the biblical truth. And the Bible says a lot about future things and about the time when Jesus will return. And it's very important for us to be aware. It's a very important topic in Scripture. But with that, some can lean toward an over-fascination with end-time events, which can occasionally lead to people doing things like date-setting, as we call it. Even though in Matthew's Gospel, three times, Jesus said, no one knows the time of his return. Uh, Matthew 24, 36, no one knows. I, I take that to mean no one knows except the Father, as is stated in that particular verse. And then uh, verse 42 of Matthew 24, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will return. And then again, chapter 25, verse 13, he reiterates it. Keep watch because you do not, Jesus is speaking, do not know, you do not know the day or the hour. God just, just wants us to live ready to meet Christ when he returns, walking closely with him. And and sharing, of course, sharing his good news message in our world until he comes back. So here's the tie-in to the message about fear. If you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and have trusted him as your, your Lord and Savior, your eternal Savior, none of what the Bible says about end-time events needs to cause you fear. The last verse of 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18 actually, says it pretty clearly after describing this wild event, encourage one another with these words. Again, after that's at the end of the, this, this description about this unbelievable future event. Uh, unbelievable, unless, of course, you, uh, you know, you're convinced that God has power over everything, including gravity, which he does, then it's not unbelievable. But we see the explanation of this event is intended to encourage those who've placed their trust in Christ. And if you have, then your eternity with him is absolutely secure. No fear necessary. Not even when you read a passage like uh, 2 Peter 3 that describes the earth being destroyed by fire in the future and God creating a new heaven, it says, and a new earth where righteousness dwells. This, this is kind of a, a reboot on God's creation. And it's described as an eternal dwelling place without, without sin, pain, or sorrow. And, and those who are in Christ are, are eternally saved and need not fear, but rather occupy and be engaged in helping others be prepared until Jesus returns. A subtitle in a recent blog by a Canadian pastor that I came across read this way, Is COVID... And the current global situation, a sign that Christ's return is upon us. In uh, response to that question, he wrote, maybe. But then he said, I don't know when Christ will return. No one does. At the end of his blog, he tells uh, 
a little story to remind us about the uh, occupy till I come command of Jesus. He, he says, I arrived at a burger joint a few minutes late, 13 minutes actually, and I walked past a sign that said open for business, got to the counter, started to place my order, and the uh, young employee sheepishly putting away her phone, he said, uh, told him, uh, sorry, we can't help you, we can't make food for you because uh, the, the grill and the fryer have been cleaned, uh, shut down and cleaned already. He said, apart from being frustrated and hungry, I was confused how to understand their open for business sign. I don't think the store owner would have been happy to know that his employees were shutting down early because the end was near. Hmm. He continued, he said, COVID-19 may or may not be a sign that Christ's return is upon us immediately. But one thing I know is that the kingdom of God is still open for business and our master has given us a task that we are to work at until the very end. So amidst the interesting theories and the various opinions, may we not lose sight, and this is a good word he's sharing, may we not lose sight of the master's desire, our master's desire to join with him in calling people to become citizens of his kingdom. It's good. Now, let's talk about my future, your future. Fear about what could happen in our individual future can sometimes cause us to play it safe and be outside of where God wants us to be. I'm talking in all of life. I would have said that before COVID. That's a true statement, I believe. In John Piper's excellent book written numbers of years ago, Don't Waste Your Life, in a chapter called Risk is Right, Better to Lose Your Life for Jesus than to Waste It. There's a section subtitled Exploding the Myth of Safety, he puts it. That caught my attention several years ago when I first read the book, and I read it again recently this summer. Piper writes, he says, we cannot avoid risk even if we want to. All our plans for tomorrow's activities can be shattered by a thousand unknowns, whether we stay at home under the covers or ride the freeways. He goes on to talk about wanting to deliver us from the enchantment of security, as he puts it. Piper's key point is that Living for safety and security will keep us from taking risks on, on mission for Christ and, and for the sake of others in, in spiritual need. We can, be, we can be so fearful about our future that we miss opportunities to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. And, that, and that's sad. Fear about our future, it just doesn't make sense if we believe that an all-loving, all-powerful, all-wise God has our life in his hands and is walking with us and, and guiding us forward. But do I have fear? Does, does Marlo have fear about the future in my mind and my heart sometimes? Yes. You, you've heard me say that a couple of weeks ago when I spoke. Read my journal and you'll believe me. Here's a snippet from August 9th this past summer as I wrote. Having my time with God, just talking to him about stuff. And, and that's prayer, right? For those that may not be familiar. And I sometimes write those prayers. And I wrote this in my journal. I said, Lord, I don't know the future. But you do. 
And so help me to rest in knowing that because of who you are, I can have complete confidence and peace. You're the one who loves me most and knows me best, so why wouldn't I fully trust you? Thank you that I can rest in the truth of who you are and in your faithful character. Marlowe needs to write those reminders that are very biblical, sometimes in his own spiritual walk. There's a concise verse in uh, Psalm 32 that helps to settle fear and, and cultivate trust in God. Psalm 32, verse 8, I will, God speaking, and he, he says this to you. I want you to hear this as if it's from God directly, and it is to, to you today. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. I mean, that brief verse paints a beautiful picture of a, of a loving parent who always has their eye on their children. And teenagers, I know that sometimes I can feel like, sound more like a, a hovering helicopter, but it's because they love you, really. Uh, Miriam and I enjoy watching our daughter Carissa and Cody be parents to three young kids uh, to, uh, uh, to, to, you know, just to observe and, and, and think about, yeah, we, we were there and uh, all that goes with that. Did you know that parents these days have cameras with high-quality audio in their children's bedroom as they sleep? Many of you knew that. I mean, that takes this Psalm 32 verse to a whole other level of having a loving eye and ear uh, upon you. To, to, it just takes it to a whole other level. As grandparents, it's... Uh, I must say, a little unnerving uh, at times when you know that your daughter and son-in-law are watching and listening as you read books to their kids and as you tuck them in bed at night if we happen to remember that that's happening live. Uh, especially when you catch yourself saying something like, you stay in that bed or your parents will hear about this. Oh yeah, they just did. Um, you know, as Carissa and Cody have their phone uh, volume up on the table on their date at Earl's. I don't think they do that, but uh, eyes and ears of a parent are dialed in, of a, of a loving parent are dialed in to their kids. Psalm 32, 8, God says, His eye is upon you. My friends, anxiety and, and fear are liars because they tell us that we're alone. And that's not even, that's not true. God tells us the truth when he says, I'm with you. I'm watching you. I, I, as a matter of fact, by my spirit, if you're my follower and a disciple of mine, I, I, I dwell within you. I, I watch over you. I walk with you into your future. My eye is upon you. Uh, my heart and my ear are bent your direction. I love you that much. I hope you'll hear, again, these expressions as being right from God's heart and, and, and God's mouth to you today, because they are. And yet we know in this broken world that we live in, for a time, we'll experience unexpected difficulty and trouble in our future. Jesus said so himself, didn't he? Some of you are facing that right now, these days of your life. I talk to people 
every week who are facing circumstances that a month ago or a year ago, fear would have told them that they couldn't handle, but they are. And they're handling it well in many cases because they're leaning hard on God in the midst of it and they're growing in actively trusting in his love and care for them. And because of that trust posture, fear is not winning. Some of you want and need that shift in your life right now. It can begin with this fear not prayer that we've concluded each message in this series with. And I want you to pray it with me out loud or in your heart. And if you want a copy of this prayer, let me know and I'll email it to you. Pray with me, Heavenly Father. Because your word says that we are not to fear, I express my desire and commitment to fully trust you with my future. Holy Spirit, I ask for your help in moments when anxiety and fear begin to surface in my mind. In those times, please help me to hear your reminder that you are completely trustworthy. Please empower me to choose faith in you as the all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving God so that fear will have no power over me or my thinking. I commit to setting my mind on the truth of your written word that you will help me choose faith over fear in my everyday life and in my thoughts about my future. In this, I commit to bring you glory and grow my heart to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. The importance of taking in God's word into our heart to win over fear cannot be overstated. And there's several scriptures in the description below that uh, I would invite you to read and reread and prayerfully ponder and memorize and take into your heart and mind. Isaiah 41:10, fear not for I'm with you. Psalm 112, they will have no fear of bad news. Uh, their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. John 14:1, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. 2 Timothy 1.7 that has been referenced the previous two weeks. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Those are gifts from God for you today. And then 1 Peter 5.7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Maybe you're watching today and you've never trusted Christ as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life. Jesus loved you so much that he came and took upon himself the penalty for sin, which belongs to every one of us. And that is death and eternal separation from God, our Father. But, but the Father didn't want that. And so he uh, sent Jesus and Jesus came willingly to this earth to die. And to, to, he, he rose from the dead to prove that he could have uh, power and give us power over, over sin and death. If you trust him today, you'll step into a relationship with the very God who created you. And I invite you to do that. You can pray right now saying, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for coming to die for me so I could live personally in a relationship with my Creator and eternally. Thank you for that gift of eternal life. I receive you now. I trust you now. I turn from my old way now and receive your forgiveness. Help me to walk in this new relationship with you as you lead me by your word in the community of other believers. 
And I give you thanks in Jesus' name. If you pray a prayer like that and you open your heart genuinely and surrender to Christ, instantly you're in his God's eternal family. It's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. And if you did that today, we would be so excited to hear that. You can text Jesus, text the word Jesus to the number that you see below. Or there's a connection card that you can fill out in the link below as well. We, we, we would just be excited to hear that you made that decision today. And we, we want to just uh, make some resources available to you that will help you uh, establish and, and, and grow that new relationship. Thank you for uh, tuning in today. I pray that this week you will sense God's nearness every day because he loves you so much.